Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. It takes place shortly after the birth of Jesus, and it's one of the very few stories we have about his infancy. It describes Mary and Joseph taking the baby Jesus to the temple. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul, too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. Then, as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer, night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Have you ever had an epiphany? An epiphany is one of those flashes of understanding when suddenly things seem very clear. All the pieces of the puzzle fall into place. Aha, you might have thought. I get it. 
When the church celebrates Epiphany, it commemorates God's plan for the salvation of the world becoming visible, becoming manifest, becoming obvious. God's plan for salvation is Jesus. Jesus is the Savior. Aha! But you know, to most people who lived during Jesus' lifetime, there was no aha moment to celebrate. They didn't know that Jesus had been born. Granted, there were a few shepherds who were told about the birth by angels in the night sky. That must have been pretty impressive, but most people didn't witness it. And a birth in a stable doesn't cause the kind of excitement people feel when they hear about a birth in a palace. Mary and Joseph didn't even have family around to spread the news. They were visiting Bethlehem from out of town. Still, from very small beginnings, something grew that still causes people all over the world to say, Aha! I get it! Jesus is the answer. There are two scriptures that do tell us about epiphanies regarding Jesus' birth. One is what you might call the epiphany of the Gentiles. That's the scripture in Matthew about the wise men from the east who followed the star. Conveniently, we sang that this morning, so you know the story. The wise men from the east had their aha moment, not because they believed in the God of Israel. Their understanding came from reading the signs in God's created order. A star rose. It signified the birth of a king. They followed it. The other epiphany might be called the epiphany of the Jews. There were people outside of Jesus' family who were expecting his birth, who had one of those aha moments when they saw him. Two of them were Simeon and Anna, and we just heard about them in our scripture reading. Who were these people? How did they know to look for the Messiah in that particular time and place? How did they understand who Jesus was when so many other people didn't even notice he'd been born? Do Simeon and Anna have things to teach us, even though they lived so long ago? Even though we understand so much more about the world and everything in it than they did? I'll try to answer the questions I've raised one at a time. So again, who were Anna and Simeon? They were a wise woman and a wise man. The text doesn't actually say they were wise. It's something we deduce. Why? For a start, they were older people. Anna's age is stated, 84 years, a great age. 
We don't know how old Simeon was, but the scripture implies that he has been waiting to die, which he won't do before God fulfills his promise that he will see the Messiah. Wisdom doesn't necessarily come with age, but it's hard to develop it without life experience. It's hard to develop without learning from our mistakes as well as our successes. Wisdom usually takes time to ripen. We also deduce that Anna and Simeon were wise because they were people of great faith. Jesus describes as wise the person who builds his house on the rock, the rock of faith, the rock of God's teachings. Simeon was devout and righteous. We're told that the Holy Spirit rested on him. For the Holy Spirit to rest on a person, that person must be receptive to God's leading. Such a person is on the alert for signs from God. That inner nudge of conscience. That realization that someone is in need. That understanding that something has to be done. Anna was a prophet. A woman who, when she spoke, spoke the word of God She had been widowed for many years and had devoted her life to worshiping God in the temple through fasting and prayer. Wise men and women practice their faith as you do by being present in worship today. Both Simeon and Anna were in the right place at the right time because God led them there. When Joseph and Mary appeared with Jesus, Simeon recognized Jesus for who he was, a light to the Gentiles and glory for Israel. The temple was a big place, but Anna also arrived when Joseph and Mary brought Jesus in. She recognized Jesus as the redeemer that he was. Dallas Willard, who is a philosopher who writes a lot about spiritual disciplines, likes to compare prayer and Bible study and other spiritual practices to sports. He observes that the amazing athletic feats that we sometimes see during a game aren't the result of the short hours that athletes actually spend playing a game. They're the result of exercise and diet and rest and practice. Repetitive exercise that might not seem like it has much to do with a game is necessary to develop the muscles that might be called on to score a point. Diet has to provide enough calories for energy and effort, but it also has to contain the kind of food that is nourishing. Rest is needed not only for energy, but because achieving it requires paring away unnecessary and trivial activities that might keep us awake 
and distracted. There are spiritual equivalents to all of these things. Exercising obedience, nourishing ourselves with scripture, the Lord's Supper, and worship. Resting in God's presence during prayer and listening for God's word to us. So in this spiritual sense, Anna and Simeon are superstar players at the very top of their game. They are definitely contenders for the gold medal. No wonder they had epiphanies. They might be older and frailer than some people, but they've put their faith and their wisdom and their obedience at God's disposal. They know where God wants them to go, and they go there. When they get there, they understand what they're seeing, and they know what God wants them to do. Their job is to affirm to Mary and Joseph what God has done already and to point to the future. Their words don't come in a dream as God's words came to Joseph. Their words don't come through the proclamation of an angel as God's words came to Mary. God's words in this instance are coming through the statements of two devout but ordinary human beings brought together in the right place at the right time. Simeon and Anna affirm that this child Jesus is the Redeemer, the light of the world, the glory and consolation of Israel. In Simeon's words, we also hear a warning. There will be rising and falling, which we can take to mean conflict and opposition. Mary's soul will be pierced as though with a sword. They are saying that the unfolding of God's plan will involve opposition and heartache. Nevertheless, their words assure Mary and Joseph that they are on the right path and they need to stay the course. We can learn from Anna and Simeon. We know that to be Christian is to love our neighbors, to serve, to show kindness and mercy. But the foundation for all of this is developed when we spend time in the presence of God. Worship accomplishes that. So does prayer, devotional reading, Bible study, and engaging in acts of charity and witness. Anna practiced fasting. She fasted from food, but there are other things we can fast from when we understand they're taking time away from what's more important. All of these practices make us more sensitive to God's leading. That leading can take us anywhere, but most of the time, God doesn't take us very far away from home. Do you have a neighbor who needs extra care? Do you have a grandchild who doesn't go to church? Do you have a friend who is grieving? Is someone you know sick or dying? Do you see people in our community who are lacking what they need 
God calls us to recognize the faces of the least of these in our midst because Jesus says that is how we recognize him. Into these situations and many more, we are called to bring our gifts. We bring the gifts of our presence, the gifts of our service, the gifts of our witness. As we bring these gifts to the people around them, we bring them to the Christ child himself. We join the long Christian tradition of wise men and women bringing gifts to our Savior because our Savior has been such a gift to us. Perhaps you're thinking that We live in a great big world, and in many ways it's very messed up, and anything we might do is pretty trivial. It won't really matter, so why bother? Such thoughts come from the discourager. We are not to pay attention to them. Noticing that something is wrong and doing what we can to make it right comes from God. If God has made us aware of it, God is calling us to do something about it. And if God is calling us to do something, it's important. It will matter. We're about to celebrate a new year, but as Christians, we're new every day. We renew ourselves and we grow in our faith whenever we intentionally spend time with God, whenever we act and speak as God would have us do. Centering our lives in God is the most important thing we can do this year or any year. Pray with me, please. May our lives be a witness to you, Almighty God, bringing light and hope, and gladness into our world. Amen.